This is Fundraising Radio, and today's a guest speaker. We have Nicola Martina, co-founder of Sampley, that was quite recently acquired by Apple, and currently he's co-founder and CEO of InstaThings. And in this episode, we'll talk about how Nicola raised money from the UK instead of US, and how he traveled later on to Silicon Valley to raise additional funding. And we'll mostly focus on choosing the right city to cho- to raise money from, because some people don't really think about fundraising in terms of you know so local fundraising because there is a huge difference for example between san diego los angeles and san francisco in terms of uh types of funding that you can get there and we'll talk about that stuff in this episode so nicola let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on stamply thank you very much thank you for having me uh, well, very quickly, uh, I've always worked as a consultant and I always worked with developers. So at a certain point, I decided that I wanted to try to create uh, tools for developers to help them go faster, uh, produce more. And uh, we ended up with my previous co-founder, Giuliano, designing and developing a template that was an integration platform as a service. So. When we started, uh, there was a, there was a, um, a, a great uh, increase in the adoption of uh, software as a service. And so uh, there was a need to have uh, a software that uh, could be used to move data between the different services and to do system integration into the cloud. And so we created Stamply and uh, we managed the company for some years. And at a certain point, we decided that... Uh, uh, well, we were growing organically and uh, we decided that we could find another home uh, or a better positioning for our product. And we looked around and we were lucky enough to find uh, Claris, a subsidiary of Apple that needed what we were doing. And so we managed to sell the company and, uh, uh, and now Stamplay is Claris Connect. That's that's really interesting. And before we move on to discussing the actual fundraising part, let's talk about your earlier experience. So in uh, on our pre-interview call, you mentioned that in 1999, you actually tried to do an, uh, a company in mobile internet, which was yeah. now you can see that it's quite clear that it was a bit too early for mobile internet back in the days. But I mean, choosing the right timing to develop some new solution for the market that probably doesn't exist is crucial. So the timing there is crucial. Do you can you give some advice on you know, understanding if the timing for solution is right? Is there like probably you have to look at the market growth? Is there a reasonable number that the market has grown by uh, to understand that you know it's the right time for this solution, or is it some other metric that the founders should look at? Yeah, that, that, that's a very interesting question. So, uh, it, yes, it was 1999. We were working on the mobile internet. And at that time, mobile internet was, if you have seen the movie Matrix, and there was the, that uh, Nokia phone that they used to move to the Matrix, <laughs> that, that was the mobile internet, okay? So uh, uh, monochromatic screens uh, and... Uh, and 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 a key a keyboard that uh, with only with numbers so quite difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. Nevertheless, mobile internet was quite successful in Japan, 
but never to cough in that uh, in that shape uh, in Europe. It was a problem of technology at the time, so technology was not good enough, and uh, he'd had a lot of constraints, so the experience was not good enough. Um, and uh, and and so this is this, that was a typical case of. Uh, a technology that doesn't meet the expectation of uh, a wide audience of users. And this is happening again and again. If you listen to, for instance, augmented reality and uh, virtual reality, I wore my first kit of uh, virtual reality like in 1989. Oh, nice. And it was a, a computer, was a big like uh, a room, more or less, <laughs> was horrible. <laughs> And uh, after 30 years, after it, it, it's still not good enough for uh, large-scale adoption. So virtual reality is another thing that there is technology, but the technology is not good enough for the consumer. It is good for specific, for specific audiences. So to answer your question is, who is going to use this technology for what is going to use this technology? If you can find uh, um, an, a number of customers that are interested in your technologies, even though this technology is not good enough for the consumer, then you have a, a smaller market to test, to iterate, uh, to grow the technology, and then uh, uh, to make it evolve uh, to be better for everybody. Um, so the answer is always never focus too much on the technology, but focus on what you can do with the technology and what is the customer that's going to buy this and which is the value that you're going to deliver to the customer. That's perfect summary of that answer, actually. I love it. I love it. Never focus on technology too much. I personally not not a big fan of technology for sure as a financial person. But let's move on to the main topic of this episode, which is fundraising part. So yeah. you decided to raise first money in the United Kingdom instead of the US. Why is that? Uh, because it was closer, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I live in Italy, so we didn't, we didn't say that. I live in Italy, I live in Rome, and we started Stampley in Rome. So when we started and we were building um, a, develop, a developer tool, uh, this is something that is actually unfundable in Italy because there are very few um, uh, investors and uh, uh, most of these investors don't understand this specific market. So it is very, very hard to find resources in Italy. And mm -hmm. uh, so we said, which is the closer uh, um, capital market that we can reach and it happened to be uh, to be London and at that time there was uh, this early stage fund Seedcamp that was acting like uh, you know Y Combinator and 500 Startup Texas so they had an acceleration program and we managed to get into the acceleration program of, of Seedcamp and uh, at the same time it's another very important thing for all the founders that um, are in country uh, different from UK, United States, uh, is your uh, legal system. And so it's very hard for any investor that is not Italian to invest into an Italian company mm -hmm. in the early stage because they need to know the legal framework. They need to have an attorney in Italy and so on. So right. it doesn't make sense if you're investing 50000 100000 makes sense if you're investing like 10 millions 
and then you can absorb the legal costs and all the other things. <clears throat> but if you are going for the early stage, um, then you have to move uh, where the money for the early stage is. Right. And so London was the first choice simply because it's two hours from Rome with an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a reasonable choice, actually. That's a reasonable choice. And yeah. I feel sorry for everyone who has to travel from like Europe to the United States because it, <clears throat> I think the flight is like 11 hours or 10 hours. It's it's insane. I'm I'm sorry for you guys. From Rome is fourteen to sixteen hours. Actually. Oh no, oh no, yeah. that's yeah. horrible. But later on, after you raise your initial money, you on the follow up round, you decide to move to Silicon Valley. Uh, yeah. Why is that? Why didn't you just stay in the United Kingdom? Because uh, we realized that we were uh, too shy and we had to dare more. And uh, the perfect place to develop this kind of product is uh, is Silicon Valley because it is the place where most development tools uh, are born. Um, and there's a very favorable market um, also of companies that are going to test what you're doing and so on. So this is the perfect place to, to do these kind of things. You can find uh, experienced investors, so experienced business angels, uh, most of our investors in the United States were uh, people from the industry. So uh, people that were building startups uh, in the same space or we had like a product manager from Facebook, uh, another one that was building cloud solutions and so on. And so uh, that was, uh, it, it's it's a more favorable environment to to do business development and fundraising. Right. So I'm curious, where does an immigrant start in Silicon Valley? So when you just move there, uh, where do you start? I mean, clearly it's not 90s, so you don't just go to, you know, Sand Hill Road and go through VC uh, actual offices. It's 2020 now. So what's your recommendation to an early stage founder who just moved to Silicon Valley, to San Francisco? Where Where should they start? Yeah, well, um, of, apply for an accelerator if you don't have a relationship uh, in the Valley yet. Um, that, the, 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 the reason is very simple, is that this is the job of accelerators, of incubators. There are many, there are many. And uh, so uh, um, I, I'll give you two advice. First, apply to an accelerator because... Basically, what they do, they filter all, all, all the uh, all the startup that most of the startup that arrive in the valley. Uh, so uh, it is the place where the other investor look for, because they have this function. They function as filters. The second uh, advice that I would give you is um, uh, don't come out of the blue. So that means uh, do your homework and uh, uh, that means create uh, evidence that you're doing something that it's interesting for people. American investors are very, very, uh, you know, they in general, Americans like process. Okay. So hmm. if, if, if they are looking for a company that uh, has early traction, they look for that kind of company. So you have to demonstrate that you have early traction. Then, of course, it's full of stories of, you know, uh, of checks signed uh, on 
you know, in a bar or things like that. But this is part of the mythology of the Silicon Valley. It, it's not as generally it works. Um, yep. So you have to you have to demonstrate. You have to not just have only your deck, but you need to have a prototype. You need to have early evidence that there is a need for what you're doing, that you're able to go to market. Now that you're able to build the product, because today we just give for granted that you can build your product. Technology is very accessible. Uh, mm -hmm. You can prototype anything. You can create any minimal viable product that you want with very inexpensive tools. So what makes the difference is your ability to chase a market, to get customers, to get them on board. And this is what investors are looking for. Um, otherwise, they are more skeptical about your ability to grow a company. They're not looking for a a brilliant product. They're looking for brilliant founders that they can grow massive companies. Absolutely. By the way, speaking of accelerators, as in uh, foreign, uh, you know, founder, uh, just Google, you know, accelerators that invest in international founders because some accelerators focus yeah. just on that. For example, in Los Angeles, there is a pretty big accelerator and pretty popular uh, called Expert Dojo. I actually have an episode with the founder of Expert Dojo. So if you're curious, just check it out. Uh, but otherwise, I'm curious. So you said that you have to prove that people need your product. In my yeah. experience, U.S. investors are really skeptical about users from other countries. So if it's not a U.S. user, it's not as valuable as a U.S. user for a U.S. investor. So what, what can you say on that? This is, this is in generally true. Uh, because many, many founders come to the Silicon Valley as tourists. And, uh, and uh, so there's this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this, this funny phenomenon of uh, tourism uh, for venture capital. And uh, if, if, you, if you have this approach, uh, it is very, very difficult uh, because there are so many people that are doing this. They just go to San Francisco, spend a couple of weeks and they go back and so on. So you have to be prepared uh, to uh, stay in the United States for all the uh, time that you can do it. That means that if you, you don't have a visa and you have just the ESTA, if you're coming for Europe, that means that you're going to stay maximum six months uh, in a year and you have to um, uh, to leverage this time to demonstrate that you are actually working on that market, uh, that you are nurturing relationship uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, in, in that area and that you have customers in the United States. It's a huge market. This is something difficult to understand from someone from Europe because we work on national markets with different languages. So, it, <laughs> it, it, so we have like 300 millions people in Europe, but it's 60 million that speak Italian, 80 million that speak English, and another 70 million speak German. And instead, in, in the United States, like 350 million, I don't remember how many, they all speak English. <laughs> they all speak English. And, uh, and so it's a huge market. It's a continental market. And at the same time, if you do things in English, you can access all the other markets. So these are the dimensions that Americans are used to think about, not about, you know, uh, you know, local uh, individual market, but a big, mm -hmm. huge uh, 
English speaking market uh, uh, and, uh, and, and and so it's a different scale it's a different perception of what you can sell uh, where you can go right recommendation to European founders United Kingdom is a perfect market validation for US because I mean yeah, <clears throat> sorry US and UK is not the same for sure but they're really close so UK user is close to US user make yeah. sure that you acquire that, yeah. that those customers before you move on to yeah. the United States so let's then, then excuse me it really depends on what you're doing I'll give you an example for instance uh, fintech companies are much more advanced in Europe than in the United States. I'm, I'm quite surprised every time that I come to the United States to see how, uh, you know, obsolete looks like the uh, fintech industry and the banking industry. Uh, and so, for instance, uh, London, uh, uh, I've seen... Uh, um, uh, an in- incredible uh, uh, increase of startups in this area for uh, new uh, banks, uh, new digital banks, and so on. So that is the perfect market for this kind of companies. And probably uh, in the States is not enough um, advanced regulations to allow the same kind of companies uh, uh, in uh, in the states, so it really depends what you're building and uh, uh, what your market looks like. So there's not a unique answer to to this kind of questions. You have to do your homework and figure out mm-hmm. which is the best environment to grow your business. Right, right. And let's let's speak about that a little bit. So choosing actually a city and a place for fundraising. Each city has its own unique value for a specific uh, field of startup founders. So for example, Los Angeles is obviously famous for its entertainment uh, investors, uh, while Orange County is famous for its uh, healthcare, as well as San Diego is famous for its health health tech uh, focused uh, yeah. startups. Uh, what other places would you recommend for what type of founders? Oh, well, um, Germany is very good for automation, um, for instance. Uh, London, everything related to marketing, uh, advertising. It is a very big uh, market for, you know, advertising agencies all over Europe uh, and communication Mm -hmm. agencies. Fintech, of course. And now we have to see with with Brexit what what's happening. We don't uh, know yet uh, uh, what, what what's going what's going on, and it will happen in the next two years. So there, there's a little there's there's time. Uh, France uh, is is growing uh, is growing uh, is growing a lot. So it, it, it of course you you have to consider that. Uh, um, investing is not only the presence of money; it's only is also the presence of established industries mm-hmm. uh, that work in a specific. So, for instance, if, if you go in the New England and there's the MIT and all the companies around, you know, deep technology like uh, pharmaceutical biotechnologies, uh, robotics, uh, mm-hmm. this kind of you know hard stuff. Uh, and instead, you know, Silicon Valley more about it was about Silicon. It's actually about, you know, so it was about microchips. So it's more about software and, uh, you know, using the software to transform in the world, not to eat the world, to use the famous words of uh, uh, of Andreessen. Uh, 
Um, so, and if if you want to start something local in Italy, you have to, for instance, figure out something that is more like consumer based, uh, uh, because this is something that is that Italian investors know and understand more than uh, other investors, and so mm-hmm. on. So, it is this mix of having an industry, a strong industry, and so a lot of competences that you can access for mentoring, uh, to hire people, and so on, and money, and what they say, the smart money, so people that is rich, that are rich, but that at the same time as a lot of knowledge, they're not bankers, they're experts in their area, right? and so they, they can help you to grow your company, sit in your board when you grow, uh, and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 the answer is figure out where there's this magic combination of uh, industry leaders and uh, uh, capital that you can mix together. Right, right. That's, that's great advice. And speaking of uh, finding those experts in the field who have money, I'm curious, after you sold Stamply to uh, Apple, do you personally invest in startups as an angel investor or do you do any advisory? I do advisory. I um, um, I did a small investment, but um, I, you know, I I don't have the feeling. I, how can I say? It, it, I prefer to invest in things where I uh, put my time. So mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of investor to say, okay, hi, now I have uh, you know this this amount of money, and I will invest uh, fifty thousand on twenty company. Uh, and so more, you know, more a statistical uh, approach where you have part of your wealth or your annual income and you, you decided that, you know, it's the 10% that goes on high risk, uh, high reward uh, ventures. I prefer to invest in things where I I can spend money and I can, uh, and I you know, enjoy working with the team, which is the thing that I'm that I'm actually doing now. So I'm investing some time and some resources to work with some young people here uh, to help them develop their companies, but uh, not as you know as as a financial investor, as an advisor. Slash, I give you some resources. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. So let's talk about. Uh, building this relationship with investors. So, yeah. you know, we, we all heard this phrase, build a relationship with investor, but how, how is it done? How did you do it personally? So when you moved to Silicon Valley, did you already have any connections here? Do you already start reaching out to investors uh, online or do you just, you know, arrive here and uh, went to 500 well, groups? I think that you have to uh, create... Uh, um, it, I, I like to see it um, as more of a pull activity than a push activity. So everybody is pushing to meet investors and to uh, have appointments, uh, uh, send X uh, and so on. Uh, but I, I, and of course, this is, you have to do this because it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's part of the game. And from this point of view, it's, it's really like a, uh, a sales activity, so it's uh, it's a, a number game on one side, 
and on the other so you you need to have a lot of a long list of people to contact and mm -hmm. we have to figure out which is the best path uh, to get to these people it's very expensive in terms of time so it's uh, when you start doing this uh, you you need to know that you have to be concentrate you, you need to concentrate on this like for two or three months and uh, and and then you have to you know push 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 uh, uh, until you get to the result, but I like to see it also on the opposite, uh, the opposite way. So as a pool activity, because investors are actively looking for company to invest in, right. and uh, there are also there are also investors that today use artificial intelligence. For instance, there is a um, an investor in London that is called Inrich Venture, and they have developed uh, an artificial intelligence system where they gather information from the web and from other sources and the artificial intelligence qualifies the leads uh, and it, it is very interesting because if you see from the point of view of the investors looking for a good team to talk to and then to decide to invest if this team are good and then they meet all the other criteria that they have to invest uh, having a system that harvests uh, and you know um, uh, information on 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 the web will allow the company potentially to uh, find gems that other investors don't find before the others. Mm -hmm. But the condition to do this is that uh, you have to put information on the web to be found. Right. Otherwise, <laughs> there are no. Uh, it's impossible to do the match. And I give you, I recently told to, uh, spoke to uh, the founder of um, uh, uh, a company in Germany that is developing uh, a very cool software for automation. And uh, uh, he told me, well, actually, you know, um, they recently did a round. And uh, when I talked to him privately, he said, uh, well, actually, we were not looking for money. But then this big venture capital from the United States came because they saw that our repositories on GitHub were so popular that uh, uh, it was uh, uh, evident that there was a need for what we were doing and mm -hmm. what we were doing was cool. And so they actually... Uh, proposed us to uh, invest. We were not looking for money. So at that point, we accepted. And, 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 and so this is a very specific case. Uh, I'm not saying that this is just a, a, an anecdote, but uh, it, it is not one way that the founder goes to the investors and uh, look desperately for, for the investors. If you position yourself to be found, uh, it also may happen that investors find you. That's true. That's true. And everyone who's listening to this right now, and if you have a company or if you're thinking of, you know, even if your company's just launched, you just create a website. Even if you don't have a website, you should go on Crunchbase and, you know, register. At least your name will show up when people yeah. will Google you. Uh, if I don't see companies on Crunchbase, I'm like, okay, what's, what's wrong with them? Specifically, what is wrong with you people? But it's it's personal opinion. I'm not sure if yes. all investors do that, but I can imagine that. So let's we're coming to the end of the episode. So I would love to hear some of your personal recommendations on 
books or articles to read about fundraising? No, excuse me, I didn't get it. Uh, so can you recommend some books or articles about... Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I would definitely recommend a book from Carlos Espinal. Carlos is a, a partner of Seedcamp. And uh, the book is the um, Fundraising Field Guide. And you can find it on the internet, uh, fundraisingfieldguide.com. Uh, it's free. It's a PDF. You can uh, you can uh, you can download it, and it will give you the basic of what you have to do. So, the one pager, the deck, the, the different things that you have to do, how to manage the cap table, uh, because this is another thing that you have to be prepared to uh, you know to deal with also with technical stuff. So, if you're fundraising in the United States, you need to have a, at least a basic understanding of what does it mean from the technical point of view to raise money. Mm -hmm. If you're doing it in the UK, it's different. If you're doing it in Italy, it's different and so on. Um, so you need to have, uh, and the, books, uh, the book gives uh, also this uh, basic understanding of um, the mechanic of shaping uh, a cap table and so on. And another place where I would go is um, uh, the Hustle Fund, hustlefund.vc. And Elizabeth Yin, I think, I don't know, I'm not sure of the pronunciation of the surname, <laughs> but Elizabeth is doing a great job uh, because she funds uh, a very early uh, startup, very early stage startup. And so she has a lot of very good advice um, uh, for uh, um, first-time founders and for who's racing for uh, uh, the very beginning of the journey. And, uh, and then I also would uh, uh, recommend to take a closer look at what uh, like Y Combinator, 500 Startup Texas are doing. They create a huge amount of content about this stuff. So there's no excuse. There's a a huge amount of content about fundraising, doing a startup, uh, whatever you can imagine, someone has written down something to answer mm -hmm. this, the, your question. So you have no excuses. If you're right. ignorant, you have no excuses. Uh, if you go, uh, if you if you are not able to deliver a good pitch, how can you excuse when there are thousands of excellent videos? of pitches from Y Combinator, 500 startups, any accelerator published video about pitching, for instance. So it, it really, it really, you have to do your homework <laughs> and it makes the difference. It, it really does. Just uh, earlier this morning, I've heard a pitch. Uh, <clears throat> in their defense, they're young entrepreneurs. So I don't really, uh, I was not extremely disappointed, but I was pretty disappointed in that pitch. I mean, you have to practice. It really takes time. Back in the days when I was trying to build my own company, I, I by the way, failed. So I'm not a good, uh, you know, judge of that. But, you know, I, I actually spent like a whole day preparing that, uh, just a speech for the pitch deck. Yeah. And that pitch was about, I think it was a minute, 30 seconds long. So a day to create something that's one minute, 30 seconds long. That's, that's about the timing. Uh, but, that's that's actually great advice, Nicola. I love the books that you mentioned. I actually didn't read some of them, but on a personal, and I'll definitely include the links to those books in the description of this episode. So if you want to take a look at them, check the description of this episode. And 
on this note, I'll ask you one last question and then we'll wrap it up. So what is the call to action that you want to give to the listeners of Fundraising Radio? What's that one thing that you want the listener to do as soon as this episode is over? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's that's difficult. Um, uh, that That's very difficult. Uh, study something that makes a difference, I would say. Um, and uh, uh, something that makes the difference, probably it is not related to technical stuff, but more to humanistic and philo- philosophical stuff. So take a book of philosophy, take a book of sociology, um, read something from, you know, Bauman or uh, something from uh, um, Kahneman. Uh, read something that is not Uh, related directly to technology, but read read something that is related to people. That what makes the difference uh, uh, because technology is used by people. So you need to be curious about people. And so read something about this, read something about anthropology, Levi-Strauss, read something about this, philosophy, Popper. That's... That's a very philosophical approach to the question, you know. <laughs> On a personal note, I will, I will mention that if you are the startup founder and you still don't have your company on Crunchbase, I would highly recommend you, once this episode is over, go to Crunchbase, register your company there. It's free. It's, it takes a couple of minutes and it's definitely, definitely worth it. But on this point, we will wrap it up. Thanks a lot, Nicola, for coming up and for sharing your unique experience. I loved how we touched on so many topics and focused on something that I don't think we covered as much in the previous episodes. So I definitely think this episode will be helpful for any uh, founder, even if they are US-based. So thanks a lot for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to you, Constantine. It was a pleasure to talk to you and good luck to everybody.